Um, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce Fred Drummond. Fred leads Evangelical Alliance in Scotland here. Uh, Fred has been, and still is, I'm aware, uh, a Church of Scotland minister, so we'll pray for you, Fred. Uh, we know that you need it. <laughs> but we do pray for Evangelical Alliance. Um, uh, we prayed for Kieran uh, for, from Evangelical Alliance when he was running for office, and he was voted in, which was incredible. Um, and I, I believe that Fred is passionate about prayer and the presence of God as well. And so I was, I was so excited as I was listening to some of the things that you've shared, Fred, in the past and reading some stuff on the website about where you're at. Um, that's where we're at as well. We need the presence of God. We need to get a burden for prayer because when God stirs up the church to pray, then, you know, there's something about to happen. And I believe that's what God is doing just now. We need to respond to that stirring. We need to respond to the call. Are you excited about prayer? Okay, for those who didn't say yes there, right, have a wee think about that. And for those who don't come to the prayer times on Tuesday night, have a wee think about that, because I really believe God's saying, he's nudging some people and saying, you need to get to, together to pray. And uh, I really believe in what Spurgeon said, whenever God determines to do a great work, and let's say that's a new thing, a new season, a new day, he first sets his people praying. And so we need to grasp this. And so I'm encouraged that Fred is going to be uh, coming and sharing uh, with us today. So over to Fred. Let's give him a warm welcome. Hey, good morning. It's, it's great to be here. I think uh, twice maybe we've had to cancel due to COVID. Um, so it, it really is fantastic. First one's already gone up. Uh, before, I, before I speak, what I want to try and do, I'm going to try and stay close to the mic. I'm used to wandering around. Uh, so um, I, I want to, to pray. Then I want to say for a couple of minutes, what is an evangelical? So what is evangelical alliance? Um, and then I, I want to kind of address a wee bit. So I'm obviously a wee bit smaller than you are. Uh, so I should, should have wore bigger heels or something like that. Um, and, and then uh, I want to look really quickly at Luke chapter 8 and the parable of the sower. Um, but primarily when, when uh, Stevie asked me to come here, it was to say, what are the opportunities and challenges for the church in Scotland? What, what are the doors God is closing and what are the doors God is opening? And, and what in this new season, because it is a new season, I don't know if you, if you sense that, this is a new season for the church. If you haven't got that, you can have been sleeping for two years. This is a, a new season. The, the old is kind of gone. Um, we love the old, and, and there's fantastic things of the old, but the old is gone. And some parts of the church still want to, to pretend that we're still in the season we were in before COVID, um, but we're not. And the opportunities are different. And the challenges are different, and the culture is different. And so I want to speak a little bit about that as we kind of, as we kind of move forward. A uh, couple of things I should say just before I pray. One is, you probably won't agree with everything that I say. Um, that's okay. You're entitled to be wrong. Everybody's allowed an opinion. Um, and, uh, and, and the second thing is, you know, if, if I'm kind of twittering on as, as I will because I'm a fifer, and uh, Pfeiffer's and a, and a mic is a kind of, you know, risky thing. So I'll just keep, I'll just keep talking. But um, if you've got a question or if you think, 
Now, I'm not quite sure about that. You need to explain that, or, or I, I disagree with that totally. I, I'm totally cool with you just uh, starting to ask a question or chat or stick your hand up or whatever. That's, that's completely fine uh, with me. We can kind of do this almost as a conversation, if that works better. So uh, whatever works, let's, let's kind of give it a try. Um, so let's pray before we kind of look at some stuff. Lord, what we don't need is just another religious meeting. What we, what we don't need is, is just going through the kind of ritual of religion. The nation can't stand another generation of powerless Christianity. We are utterly dependent upon your spirit. God, if you don't come, then there is no point. And so we ask, Lord, will you come? Will you come here now as we uh, think together about what you're saying? God, we, we think about Whitburn. We think about the, the people in Whitburn who have never encountered you, never known you. We think of the people in the streets in which we live. Who, who have no idea about you, about your love for them. Well, we picture the street we're in. We picture our neighbors. We picture the folks round about us. Desperate for hope in a season of hopelessness. And we picture our nation from the, the borders of Scotland to the islands. And we see the mess and the fragmentation and the brokenness and the hopelessness that is all around about us. We see the growth in addiction, the growth in self-harm, the growth in violence. And we cry out to you, O God, have mercy upon Scotland. Have mercy upon Scotland. And breathe on your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What's an evangelical? You know, <clears throat> some people, if you do that in the streets, if anybody knows at all, they think about, <clears throat> so it's a kind of right-wing, nasty, Republican American. So it's like a kind of Donald Trump kind of figure. That's what an evangelical is. Some people think an evangelical is just somebody who's opposed to everything. Um, and, and, you know, the miserable people who come and spoil the good fun everybody's having. Some folks think that evangelicals are essentially 18th century moralists who've got nothing to say into the world. So having said all that, what a privilege it is for me to head up the Evangelical Alliance, isn't it? That's a fun gig. Uh, um, an evangelical, we're told, is primarily four things. Is uh, Jesus centric. Evangelicals are passionate about Jesus. It's our primary thing. When uh, folks get together, scholars get together and say, What are the marks of an evangelical? There are four marks, but the biggest one is they are obsessed with Jesus. Evangelicals are Jesus obsessives. Um, second thing is 
they believe in personal salvation. Evangelicals believe in the gospel and that the gospel of the good news of the saving grace of Jesus should be made available to everybody. Evangelicals believe there is no one so far off or broken that they can't be healed and rediscovered and loved by God. Evangelicals believe in new life in Christ. And so we're Jesus-centric, and we believe in the gospel. Thirdly, evangelicals have a high regard for the Bible. We believe that the Bible was God-breathed, was inspired. It's not just 66 kind of ideas from random Christians, but somehow it is the outworking of the story of God. And from Genesis to Revelation, it's breathed by God to give a picture of what this big story, this big unfolding, wonderful story is. And that our lives have a part in the big story of God. So it's like your story and God's big story coming together like that. And they become one story in God. And so we're passionate about Scripture. And Scripture, we believe, shapes our lives. And lastly, we're told that evangelicals are social activists. We believe in justice. We believe in mercy. We believe in hope. We believe in an end to poverty. We believe in an end to addiction. We believe in seeing communities transformed by the love of God. When you put all these things, all four of these things together, you get an evangelical. And you get evangelicals in all sorts of churches and denominations. So Evangelical Alliance is something like, in its membership, is something like 20,000 individual members. 4,000 churches, and about 1,000 organizations. From Free Church of Scotland, fairly conservative, through to Independent Charismatics and Vineyard and Elam and AOG and all sorts of other groupings, through to some Church of Scotland's, not them all by any means, uh, through, through to some Baptist churches, most Baptist churches, all come under one umbrella because they think, actually, we want to belong together. We, we, we're, we're passionate about being Pentecostals, and that, in a sense, is, is our tribe. But we realize we're part of a bigger family than that. We want to pray together. We want to cheer together. We want to see the kingdom come together. Because if we don't, we're going to struggle when we get to heaven, aren't we? Um, we might be standing shoulder to shoulder to somebody who's not a Pentecostal. I mean, I know some of us are thinking, oh, heaven's not going to have anybody that's no Pentecostal in it, uh, which, which is okay. <clears throat> but Evangelical Alliance, for a hundred and something years, has been the body that said, actually, we are bigger than just our own groupine. We are bigger because Jesus has called us all together, brothers and sisters, to see the kingdom advanced. And that's what EA is. So um, we resource the church, we speak on behalf of the church, and we tell good news stories of what the church is doing to try and lift the bar on faith and equip the church in what it's doing. That's what we're kind of about. If you're not a member, I'd encourage you to have a look at our website and, and uh, see whether you want to join or not. I'm not a big kind of salesperson for organizations, but, but to check it out. If you don't want to be a member, but you want to check out what we do and what our resources are and where I'm likely to be and all that kind of stuff, then check out our Facebook page or, or Twitter or, or stuff like that. So that's what EA is. Let me kind of... Um, read 
can we let me just put this one to the next one so let me read from Luke chapter 8 I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the passage I'm just going to kind of read it with a couple of comments um, as we kind of go into what I think God is saying to the church in Scotland um, of today but I, this is a really interesting thing so I was praying on Friday um, thinking you know God I, I kind of uh, I know what it is I'm going to say I think what I think you you have me say but what what passage should I be thinking about and um and I've been uh, studying myself in Luke's gospel for quite a long time. And, um, and God said, speak, um, read out Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. And um, I thought, yeah, okay, so I'll do that. I'm not really going to preach on it, but I'll, I'll read this out and I wonder why. And then I looked at your website and the kind of scattering of seeds is, is, is part of your identity. I don't know if you may be new to the church, I don't even know that, I don't know. That, that that idea of scattering seeds all over the place is part of who you are, it's part of your DNA. As a church, is the vision to be throwing out the gospel and the love of God in as many ways as you can, scattering seeds. And so I think God wanted to remind you of, of what your DNA is and what your vision is, is to be seed scatterers. Wherever you go, in whatever ways you can, uh, and to, to get out with the word, with the love of Christ, with good works in Jesus' name, to see things happen. And I think I was to read this simply as a reminder to you of this is who you are. This is who you are. So let me read um, from Luke chapter 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Just want to stop and think, what an interesting group it is that kind of follow Jesus, isn't it? We, we just kind of get the names mostly of the disciples or the unnamed big group. But actually, there were people, particularly women, um, who were funding and supporting uh, Jesus' ministry and going with him that are hardly ever mentioned, but Luke mentions them because Luke's good on picking up these kind of uh, details of people. There's one or two uh, women who are, who are kind of married to influential people, the head of Herod's household. Um, so a top civil servant's wife has been healed by Jesus. She now follows him and helps fund, if you like, the ministry. Isn't that great, that kind of little detail of how um, individual people, the, the kingdom advances one life at a time through one life at a time, isn't that? Um, and, and sometimes we kind of think about, we've got to wait till the really gifted, anointed person who comes along and then revival will break out. And, and, and you know, that happens, what, once every hundred years or something like that. Um, and the rest of the time, it's ordinary, anointed people dependent upon the Spirit, taking risks in the kingdom, reaching one person at a time, praying for one person at a time, and the Spirit working through them into the life of somebody else. That's how the kingdom advances. Um, 
But if you think, I don't know how many people are in this room, but if you think that everybody in this room prayed face-to-face with one person this week, um, I wonder what stories you'd have to tell next Sunday of what word God gave you for them. What was the response? How did the Spirit show up? I wonder if there'd be new people here because somebody had prayed for them um, this week, stopped and just chatted to them, said, would it be okay if I pray for you? Um, it's exciting, isn't it? Exciting. The kingdom is an exciting thing. You know, I know that, that Scots, in the main, we get excited about football till we lose. Right? And we get excited if we're Christians about Cayleys. Yeah, we're big on Cayleys, uh, Scottish Christians. I'm not quite sure why that is, but we're big on, we're big on Cayleys. That's exciting things uh, for us. Uh, let me tell you, the kingdom of God breaking out is the most exciting thing. Um, when you've got people testifying that they have just been healed because Jesus is drawn near. When you get a queue of people wanting to give testimonies because the spirit has broken out and they've got something to say and then somebody else has something to say and somebody else has something to say. When you've got people who come forward and say, yesterday I was thinking about taking my own life and then Jesus broke into my life last night and today I want to say my life has been transformed. The kingdom of God is exciting, isn't it? Um, the life of the Christian is, is exciting, it's passionate, and, and we're all involved in it. It's, it's, not, it's not the super anointed, platformy people who make this happen. Um, God makes it happen through people who are just open to him. Um, so I want to urge you, this is a complete, I told you about Pfeiffer's with a mic, didn't you? Uh, didn't I? But, but um, I'm really kind of passionate about that, this. Um, if we could unleash just the Christians that we have, never mind getting new credit, if we just could unleash the Christians that we have in the streets where we live and being salt and light in the streets where we live, I believe we'd see Scotland transform. I don't think we need anything else. Everything is there. The spirit is there. The kingdom is there. The Christians are there. And the need is there. So why are we not seeing transformation? And the only thing I can think of is because our hearts are not up for it. That's, you know, my heart's not up for it. I don't have the passion for my neighbours to to care enough to go and chat to them and say, can I pray for you? I I don't invite them around and have a barbecue and hang out with them. I don't walk along my street and pray for every house. When I'm, when I'm going, I don't drop cards in the door saying, it's great that you're a neighbor, so grateful for you, just want to know that I'm praying for you. Um, but if we did, if we did, the individuals. Well, a large group are gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil and came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. Jesus said to them, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
Um, Jesus explains the parable, and I'd encourage you to go, just go and, and kind of have a, a read of Jesus' explanation of it. But basically, what I take from it is um, scatter wherever you can. Don't be discouraged when people fall away. But when the, when the seed hits the right ground in the power of the Spirit, the crop will be more than you can possibly imagine. Right? Um, now, I know absolutely nothing about gardening and, and stuff like that. Um, so, but my wife does. Um, my wife pretty much makes up for all my flaws, which are kind of like tons of them. I've put her up for a sainthood already uh, for what she's put up with. But um, she... <laughs> We've got a wee greenhouse at the end of the garden, right? and, uh, and it's still in one piece, which is fairly, fairly amazing because uh, my sons used to kick a ball about in the back garden all the time, but it's still in one piece. So my wife decided that she would get some tomato plants, right? And uh, I can see half the men are switched off already now, but, but stay with me. Got them. And um, just three plants, so far, we've taken roughly 250 tomatoes off these plants this year. And we know absolutely, well, when I say we, I know absolutely nothing about it, right? Except I've been allowed to water them twice. And I think that's probably what's made all the difference, actually. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> because the right, the right plant, at the right time, in the right soil gives way more than you could possibly imagine. Right? Um, I was saying uh, to Stevie beforehand, uh, my son, for, for two or three years, he, he lives in Northern Ireland. He lives uh, near Coleraine, between Port Stewart and Coleraine. And um, he was an intern at a church there. He's a worship intern, actually, for a while. And then he became an on-street evangelist, their first on-street evangelist at a church called uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard um, Church. And for a year, every day, my son would go out onto the streets and stop and offer to pray for people for healing on the streets. And every day he prayed for people and he would get one or two good comments. And roughly, they reckon, about two people a month would come to faith. Um, and that's just what they did. They prayed together. He'd go out. They'd uh, ask God for words of knowledge. They'd go and speak to them and then offer to pray. Um, and then suddenly one day, it's about three years ago, and if he's in Scotland, you should try and uh, catch him when he's speaking somewhere, but um, he was uh, out doing exactly the same thing. Ten people were either healed or came to faith on the one day. And over the next, I think it was three or four months in Northern Ireland, about three years ago, something like 600 people came to faith. Um, Countless people are healed. I don't know if you've heard of this stuff from Causeway Coast Vineyard. Um, church, church grew to over a thousand people coming in, in worship. A um, whole host of things uh, happened. And, and he would say, uh, what were you doing differently <laughs> between the year when it was bucket and rain, you were going out every day, you know, people were kind of laughing. Folks were walking past as quickly as they could. Nothing much was happening. And, and you'd get the odd conversation, the odd person saved. And what happened differently uh, pretty much from then till now in, in places you're going and stuff? And he would say, nothing. Did absolutely nothing different from what we did. 
Same type of prayer, same asking of God, same begging for the Spirit to come, same offer of, of prayer for healing or encountering Jesus. But when the Spirit breaks through and you're scattering the seed and the crop is right and the water is there, then the crop goes beyond what you can imagine. Don't we need that in Scotland? Don't we need that kind of refreshing power of the Spirit coming to our people who are desperate just to go and scatter and, and see what happens? Could it be that many of us are too safe and old season thinking? Um, what I mean by old season thinking is we, is we kind of move into the next ones. I'll talk about the challenges um, so here's, here's the first challenge that's not actually up on that screen, but here's the, here's the first challenge, right? We, um, we didn't do much. We couldn't do much for like two years, right? Because we kept being closed down. Um, so we got our best talks and we stuck them online and, uh, and that became a struggle because most of us have only got about four good talks and, and, and the, the pandemic went on so long, but we kind of, we did that. And then what happened as soon as we stopped and we got back, everybody said, why don't we do what we were doing before the pandemic? <laughs> why don't we go back to being church the way we were church in the past? As if two years had just not happened. As if society hadn't moved on. As if people weren't gripped by fear. As if mental health hadn't become a huge issue. As if personal space that nobody was thinking about it anymore. It was like some churches just thought, yeah, yeah, let's just go back to what we're doing and, and let's manage it and, and let's kind of get everything back together and get the boundaries right and do all the stuff we're doing. And, and we kind of missed it. That that was the end of a season. And we're stepping into a new one. And we have to think differently, not about how we manage and maintain, but how we go and how we grow. That's what we have to be thinking about. Um, and so, uh, and many of us, you know, we can't help it. We just like things the way they were, don't we? We kind of like it. We're comfortable with that. I'm not criticizing that. We're comfortable with that. We're so desperate to get back to the way things were. Let's get back. Um, but you can't go back. You know, we've heard that before in the Bible. Let's go back to Egypt. Wasn't it as bad as we thought it was? Oh, really? Um, fed up with manna stuff. Um, let's go back and get some Egyptian food. All right. Um, you can't go back. You can only go forward in the kingdom. You can only go forward. Um, and so we need to get a mindset where we're thinking creatively about how we go and how we grow. So here's the other challenges, really, really quickly. Our nation does not understand the big story. don't know if you can see that very well, so let me explain it. Um, this is a Christian story. There's creation, right? there's the fall, there's redemption through Christ, and there's restoration through the Spirit. That's taking you from Genesis through to Revelation. It's one big story. And that's the story that shaped most of Scotland. It shaped our education system. It shaped many of the laws in our government originally. It, it shaped the way in which communities were based. We were a kind of um, shaped 
I think Glasgow was, wasn't it? The city of the book was what it was called. We were shaped by rules and thinking around Scripture. Now, in Scotland of today, people don't believe in a big story. There is no big overarching. This is, this is what there is. There is, you know, you were born by a kind of random night of passion somewhere, and you could have been born rich or you could have been born poor. It's just your lucky chance. And then you make as many decisions as you can to be as successful as you can in the world. So everything is dependent upon you. You're an individualist. And everything revolves around the decisions that you make. And if you can make them without hurting anybody else, that's a really good thing. (laughs) But you make all the decisions for yourself that you can, and then you die. That's it. That That is a consumerist, individualistic view of the world. It is secularism. I'm done really, really quickly. I don't want to go on and on this point because it gets very nerdy. Um, but here's the point. If, if there is no big picture and there's no sovereign God and there's no destiny and there's nothing to hold on to, you know what there isn't? There isn't hope. There's no hope in a secularist society. There's no hope about the possibility of change unless you can change it yourself, right? And you know what happens then when you've got nobody to go to and no hope, you start looking inwardly, right? So um, if I'm not really successful, it's not, it's not because God has another plan for me. It's just because I'm rubbish, you know? The choices I've made are terrible. Um, so what do I do? Well, I get depressed, or I look for a way out, so I get into addiction. Or, more and more, I take out my anger and frustration on myself, so I self-harm. And if you look at the numbers of people, particularly women from 16 to 30, the growth in self-harm in Scotland is going like that. But you'd expect that if you remove hope from people's lives. The Christian story is a story of hope. Isn't that? You're, you're sinful, but God has died for you. The world might think you're unloved, but God loves you with all his heart. Life might be tough, but God has it and is with you in the midst of it. And ultimately, you are yours. He is yours, and he is yours forever. And nobody will snatch you from his hand. It's a hope narrative that has been removed from our nation. And so we have four or five generations of people Hopeless, because they don't understand what the Christian story is. They're longing for it, but they don't understand it. And we have generations of Scots now who nobody has ever prayed for. Nobody's ever simply gone up and said, do you know that God really loves you? Never. Nobody. And that's a tragedy, in my view, of the generations of the church. We become so inward-looking, we've missed the point. We're called to be those who go into the contested spaces and be salt and light. Are you still with me on this? I don't want to kind of totally confuse you uh, on stuff. So that's probably taking at least the first two. There's a growth in individualism. There's a total non-understanding of the Christian story. So if you're going to speak to somebody, you know, 
Try and drop as many Christian cliches as you can. They don't know what you're talking about, right? Um, But people understand what acceptance and overwhelming love is. People understand lavishness in love, even if they can't put a name to it. See how these Christians love one another. See how these Christians love the community. See how that Christian has walked an extra mile. See in that Christian in the, in the midst of the cost of living crisis has invited me to come for dinner so I don't need to put the, house, the heating on in my house. See when that church has opened up, just put the heating on and invited the community. If you can't pay a bill today, come in and be warm <laughs> and just sit in our building. Christians who understand the times and live lavish love. People might not understand the theology. They understand the love. And that's what we're called to, isn't it, for such a time as this? Creative growing by going. Um, Alongside that, and and I totally get this, is the church is weak and tired. That... um, EA did a big survey of thousand kind of churches and church leaders. Here's, here's like two of the things they saw. Okay, uh, one is there are less volunteers now everywhere than there was before the pandemic started. People will not stick their name on rotas anymore. Folks who thought, and let's be honest about this, thought I've been doing Sunday school since I was fourteen and I'm sixty-four. Because I've not been able to find a way of saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Because I don't want to let anybody down. God, can you help me? Pandemic. Right? Um, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that that was God answering that prayer. What I'm saying is, the pandemic came, and people were able then to say, oh, I can step away from this. Um, because church is not on anymore. And then, and then people are not signing back up again. Because they think, I don't want to get back into that, where every Sunday I'm kind of doing this long term. I've been suggesting to churches, you know, do a time limit on stuff. Will you come and help with this for six weeks? And, And then will you invite somebody to take your place? And let's keep a creative kind of involvement of everybody in it. Um, volunteers really hard doesn't matter what denomination what church whatever volunteers hard to get leaders on the edge of burnout Um, I could literally spend every day of every week at the moment just hanging out with ministers and pastors who are on the verge of giving up the numbers are astonishing Um, and I've kind of wondered about this and, and part of it is because I think of the makeup of a pastor. Pastors love people, don't they? I mean, pa- that's why pastors are pastors primarily, uh, rather than apostles or evangelists or stuff. They, they love the flock. They want to walk with the flock. They want to see discipleship. They want to be there in a crisis time. That's, that's why they're pastors. That's where their gifts lie primarily. Um, you might not be surprised. No, I'm not a pastor, um, primarily, but, but speaking to pastors, you know, not being able to visit folks in nursing homes um, when they knew the person was really ill and they'd pastored them for years, 
not being able to take a whole family to a funeral and do the funeral because numbers were limited to who could come. Not being able to go into a house and pray with people because you couldn't get in the house um, has wounded pastors more than it's wounded anybody else. And pastors carry the bruising of that. And then they've tried to keep the church going without being able to see people face to face. And then as soon as that has, has changed again, people are back face to face, you've got to kind of run everything again. And so right across the UK, we're seeing tired, tired, bruised, weary pastors. In Scotland, EA is, is running, I think it's, it's in three or four months' time, actually, and it's a kind of refreshing day for pastors. It's just there'll be counsellors there, there'll be people to pray, there'll be kind of worship, there'll, there'll be kind of food, there'll be hanging out together just to say, you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of the flock. So we're tired. <laughs> You're tired. The church is tired, just as it's been given a new season and a new task. Now, why is God doing that? When, he, when God knows the church is tired and weak and weary, why is it asking the church to go and grow and, and get out? Well, here's what I think. Um, the weaker we are, the more we have to spend time on our knees because we recognize we can't do it. We can't do this. We can't see Scotland transformed. You probably don't have the energy to see Whitburn transformed, but God does. God does. And when a church and a people get to a place where they think, you know what, the best thing I can do is be on my knees, then the church is in the right position. When we're kind of waiting upon God, saying, God, you're going to have to give us the energy. You're going to have to help us to love beyond what we've ever experienced before. You're going to help us, have to help us have the courage to go where we don't really want to go. It's got to be about you because we're too weak to do it. And I think that part of the pruning that's happened in the church in Scotland and has continued to happen is to help people see that the impact of your engagement is solely based upon the depth of your encounter. The impact of your engagement is solely based upon the depth of your encounter. If you're not close to Jesus, waiting upon Jesus, being filled by Jesus, you're not making any difference eternally out in the world. Don't kid ourselves. Um, so the more we're on our face, the more impact we have when we're on our feet. Um, and I think that's what God is doing. Does that make sense, folks? So opportunities really, really quickly because I know time is gone. Uh, let me just say really fast. Jesus is greater than the issues that we find ourselves with. Amen? Um, our vision of Jesus has been too small, too narrow, too kind of uh, black and white. Jesus is multi-colored, uh, dynamic, creative, exciting, beyond what we can imagine. Why are we so miserable as Christians? Come on, let's be up for this. Jesus is bigger. Um, um, yeah, some of us are getting this. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> Jesus is bigger than, than what we think. And our temptation is always to put Jesus in a box. This is the way Jesus works. And you know what Jesus does? He goes, 
That's not the way I'm going to work today. I'm going to work like this. You need to have a wider vision of what I can do because I love surprising you. Are you up for it? Um, and that's the sort of faith that we have to have. It's, Jesus talks about a childlike faith, isn't he? It's a childlike faith that we have to have. It's that kind of brightness and excitement and, and no boundaries about what is possible. That's, that's the opportunity. Uh, Jesus is bigger. Here's a practical one. In that same survey of the, the EA, they did a survey before the pandemic, and they asked people, um, do you know a Christian? Right? And, and they then asked a follow-up question to those who did. They said, um, if a Christian spoke to you about their faith, or maybe has, how willing would you be to have a more in-depth conversation or another conversation with them? So once you've heard them, would you listen to them again? Everything. One in five, right, said. So that's all right. You know, if you speak to five people, one's going to listen to you again. Um, one in five. This time when they did it, like three months ago, one in three. One in three. Uh, and what the, those who do that sort of polling kind of stuff uh, come up with the highlights is that actually um, people are more interested in spiritual conversations now than they were before the pandemic. Quite clearly, quite clearly. Um, the numbers are huge in terms of that survey of people who say, yes, I more want to hear about that person's faith than I did before the pandemic. Fields are white unto harvest. People have realized, you know, what hope is and what hope isn't. And while they don't understand church and they don't get church and they maybe don't know that many Christians, their questions about life and the meaning of life and how life could be so snatched away and what is the point of anything and, and why even bother with anything are higher now than they've ever been. And we're the only people who have an answer to these questions. So the opportunity is right there. And an opportunity is, is just for healing. We're the people who can offer healing, both to leaders, but to one another and into the world. All of us have been bruised. All of us. Some of us have lost people that we care deeply about and, and carry the pain of that. Um, and, and have never really gone through a process of lamenting and, and reflecting and just allowing the Spirit to kind of come and heal us and remind us of, of his love. There is huge scope in our society for wounded people who need to discover some healing really, really quickly. So what do we need to do? <clears throat> we need to have a bit more of a Caleb spirit. You know, I, I, love, a, I love Caleb in the Bible. If you know Caleb, you know Caleb was uh, with Joshua, went through promised land, said, yeah, we can take this. Uh, and the other spy said, no, we can't. Eh? And got voted out and then had to stay in the wilderness for all these years as a whole generation died out apart from Joshua and Caleb. And then they get back to the same place they had been years and years before. And Caleb goes up and says, you know, way back all that time ago, God promised me that mountain and that land. And I'm telling you, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. 
It was a vision and a perseverance and a determination. God had promised this, and I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. So what are the promises God has made in your life? Is this a time to reclaim them? What is it God has said over you in other services, in other meetings? What is it that God has said over you and you think, well, that's past, or I've been too busy, that's not happening? Do you need a Caleb kind of spirit? You say, no, no, God said this over me five years ago, ten years ago. I want that mountain. (laughs) I'm going after that. Second thing is we need to build community. Wherever you live, be creative. You know, there's still time to have a barbecue. Right? Invite everybody to a barbecue. If it's too late, invite them for hot chocolate. Um, Do something that brings people together. Be the person in the street that is seen as the person who connects with other people. Be the go-to person in your community. Get involved. Hear what about the kids and the names and who's who. Actually go out when people are washing their cars and go and speak to them. Learn a wee bit about cars so you can ask something about it. Or, um, but make contacts. It's not hard. It's, this is not hard stuff to do. Um, do a bit of baking. Take some baking around. Um, do whatever that you can do. Um, and lastly, and I just want to stop with this, is the biggest desire, the biggest need of, of Scotland is for Christians who realize they need to encounter Jesus. That, that is the kind of bottom line. I know you're thinking, well, why did you not tell us that right at the start? It saved us 35 minutes or something like that. But this is it, isn't it? Um, you need to encounter Jesus more than you've ever needed it before. You can kid yourself. You can kid us. You can kid the pastor. You can't kid Jesus. You can't kid Jesus. Um, you know whether you're in a place of real abundance and overflowing and closeness or whether you're in a dry and weary land where there's no water. You know it. And Jesus knows it. And probably nobody else does, because once we're in the church for a while, you know, we get the language, we get the cliches, we know what to say. Um, But you can't use cliches with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus sees right into the heart. He says, my son, my daughter, what are you doing? Why are you so distanced? Why are you so cool? Why is your heart not burning? Because my heart is burning for you. Why is your heart not burning for me? So we stand with me. Yeah, so... As I was speaking, there's a couple of things that just came to mind. So we're just going to stand where we are, and, and I can pray from up front and see you. But if, if it's that kind of Caleb spirit, you know God has spoken over you. And, and you started to step into it, and circumstances and, and a whole host of things just robbed you of that. Robbed you of the promise of God and it's still in your heart, and you really, 
you need to rediscover a Caleb spirit. You, you need a new passion for the promise. You need to step into the inheritance. Um, if there's anybody in the room and you know that's you, with, with every head bowed, if they know that's you, could you just really put up your hand really quickly just so I, I know who I'm praying for? Okay, thank you. Thank you, that's great. Okay, let me pray for you. Thank you that you're the God whose promises are sure, steadfast because they are rooted in your character. And thank you that your heart is for us to flourish in you and to step into the things that you have called us into. And God, forgive us um, when we lose that through circumstances and, and through difficulties and through trials. And Lord, I just, I just pray for the people today who require a Caleb spirit. I pray in Jesus' name that you would grant them that boldness, that clarity, that vision afresh. I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would come to them now and grant them that confirmation that they would leave this place with a new boldness in the Holy Spirit and grant to them that mountain that you have promised. Whatever that is in their lives, we pray that they would see it in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would restore to them that energy, that drive, that faith that sees the mountain move. I just, I get a real sense that there is people with real bruising through pandemic, spiritually exhausted. You've still got faith. You're, you're still, you're here. But boy, are you wounded. And, and you, you hide it. You do the best you can. You're still praying. You're still reading. You're still holding on. But every day, there's a, just a sense of, of weary woundedness for what has been lost and, and what has happened during the pandemic. Um, if, if, if that's you, could you just really quickly, just so I, I know that God is speaking to some people, could you just put your hand up? There's people. Wow, okay, thank you. Just put your hand straight back down again. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters in, in their pain, in the sorrow that they have gone through, in the tears that they have shed, in the questions that they've asked, in the sleep that they've lost. God, I pray for your spirit to come, that gentle, still voice of your spirit. And I pray that you begin to bring healing of the mind. Will you replace the bruising and the negativity with the positivity of your kingdom? Lord, would you whisper words of love and grace? Would you remind them that the God who is in the cross is the God who is in the resurrection. 
and that you understand death and life and you understand sorrow and pain and you are the God who weeps and Lord that we have not shed a tear that you have not shed with us you are our refuge and Lord I pray for those who are who are bruised of heart emotionally scarred we pray healing in Jesus name I pray the oil of your spirit would flow that balm of shalom would come and that you would restore the joy of their salvation Lord might you just whisper cadences of love into the hearts of the wounded this morning we pray come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit thank you that you're not a distant God thank you that you're not a God who who keeps away from the pain of life or mess of life but you're the God who's in it And so meet with your people. And God come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. Thank you, Fred. Um, I knew that when you came today to speak, you would bring a challenge, but you'd also bring encouragement. Um, I don't think I'd anticipated how much it would impact me personally, um, but it's been good to be in God's house today. Um, yeah. I'm a wee bit emotional after that, Fred, so apologies. But I'm just going to close in prayer. Um, I do think it's good to receive prayer, as we did today. And uh, I was down the front with my hand up, facing this way. So if you had your hand up, I didn't see it. But if you need to talk, then you know that there are people here who you can talk to um, and pray with you more and just listen and just help you uh, through whatever you're going through just now. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Um, but let's just pray. It's been a great day, great day of celebration. And uh, uh, let's just pray as we finish off our time together today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your incredible grace. And Father, when we think about your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord, we realize that we only know such a little bit about them. Father, we pray in the days that lie ahead, Lord, that you would open up in our understanding a fresh revelation of how much you love us, a fresh revelation of how amazing your grace actually is. Father, a fresh revelation of your incredible mercy for people who are not the finished article like us. And Father, we need to come to you time and time again. But Lord, we just ask, may we experience these things in our lives in a fresh way, in abundance, Father. Lord, we pray for those um, things to be evident in our lives. 
Lord, I don't need to pray for anybody else because Fred's already done that today and done it so well. Lord, we pray your blessing on him and his family. Lord, we pray your blessing upon uh, all that is in their lives just now with, uh, Father, just the wisdom and insight and understanding as they lead in these days. Father, as they need to be encouraged, Lord, may there be those around them who bring encouragement, who bring that word who, uh, like Aaron and her, holding up Moses' arms when he was praying. May there be those who come around Fred who are able to do that. I know he already will have people in his life who will be there to hold up his arms and to encourage and to speak words of, of cheer and comfort into his heart. And Lord, we pray for the work of Evangelical Alliance in Scotland and across the UK. And Father, we ask that they would find favour in the corridors of power, Father, where they represent us as churches and express our views in the corridors of power. Father, may they find favour and may they have the wisdom to know how to communicate in those spheres. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless everyone. Have a fantastic week. And uh, remember, if you need to chat, you know where we are. Thank you.